I really wish I had something new and profound and different and powerful and empowering and earth-shattering and world-changing to say about the COVID pandemic and COVIDism and the hysteria. It's all been said before. It's at this point, holy shit, how long has it been? Yeah, I'm afraid, and at least in a way, even those of us who want to fight this have to accept a certain amount of new normal. And I, I uh, uh, it is what it is. Fuck, I hate people who say that. Am I, am I so old at 39? I'm turning into one of those people? No, 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 please, please don't misunderstand me. I am not turning into one of those people. No, not today. Not today, ladies and gentlemen. Not today, Freedom Family. No. But I have come to a certain stasis of peace, of acceptance, and it's tempting for those of us of a libertarian mindset, at least like myself, who tend to think like an autistic six-year-old with a Rubik's Cube. Oh, there's a... But if, if Congress is voting, but, but agorism, if we just... Uh, no, you can't. It's not how you solve a Rubik's Cube and freedom and society and tyranny doesn't work that way. But we, we, I, I have been at least for the last year and a half going, oh, 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 and like an excited caveman, you know, going, ah, here's this, here's this new fire, this new, a new, new brand of tyranny. And, and over time, you know, one of my predictions that has come true is that it's just kind of going to, it's, it's starting to fade into the background almost. And in a way we're very obsessed with it as activists. It's what's in our face. It's the most present tyranny. It's the ugliest side of government that we see, but why? Because it's put in our faces by them. They, them, those who want it in our faces. And there's a huge element of division. Left against right, family against family, brother against brother. It's like the Civil War, right? It's such brother against brother and whatever. Um, and because it's gotten to that point of starting to fade into the background, and, and, and a lot of people, but Adam, but Adam, I know Ed, Ed wants to add here, Ed Vallejo, show ombudsman in the studio, along with co host. Joey Lee, Jay Mary Jane, and executive producer Ed Freedom. Somewhere, somewhere Jim, over the Jim, 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 Ed Freedom twice. Ed Freedom. Jim Freedom <laughs> in Ed Phoenix, Murphy. all the way over there. I know you want to, you want to tell me Ed, Ed being ombudsman. Adam, I'm jumping, I'm doing your job for you. I'm jumping ahead here. Ed wants to say, but Adam, it's not fading into the background. In some ways, it's getting worse. The vaccine mandates, the passports, but then again, you say, well, it is kind of crumbling. Now, in terms of fading into the background, I want to make a case for that very quickly. And that if you stop and think about how bad COVID could possibly be as a portion of the government racket, it's still not the biggest one, is it? If you could say, hey, Ed, if I get to ask you, Ed, hey, Ed, which is a bigger problem, the Federal Reserve and the dollar system or COVIDism? All the COVID tyranny, all the COVID policy, all the COVID corporatism, all the vaccine mandates, all that put together, or the dollar system and the Federal Reserve, which is a bigger problem for freedom? 
and the Fed. Exactly. Exactly. So monopoly of the roads, monopoly of the justice system, monopoly of public safety with police and blah, blah, blah. All these other things of government with a little perspective. And maybe this is, this is the wisdom of the, the two older gentlemen in the room here today is that we can step back and say, you know what? Maybe it's not that big a deal. But I do want to share one nugget of an epiphany that I had this week. And it's that what they're really hiding from us is that the core purpose of government is to keep the rich getting richer at the expense of everybody else. And for this, they have all sorts of distraction issues and they have front men. They have a few egotistical front men for the super class. Elon Musk, Jeff Bezos, Richard Branson, Bill Gates, right? And we hear those names. And, and, and Donald Trump, sure, th throw in the fake billionaire too. He's, he's, you know, he's, uh, Roger Stone, I can say this now because it's old news. I don't think Roger's going to be pissed off. But I can say that he sort of betrayed Donald Trump in this one funny way. Uh, this is fun. I'm Ed, you're going to appreciate this. I am saying this publicly for the first time ever because I did a pilot TV show where I debated Roger Stone. I don't think it ever aired. We, we, they flew us to Texas. We debated. And it was my first time meeting and hanging out with him. We went to dinner afterwards. And he said, Trump's not worth $10 billion. He's worth about $100 million. Like, like they're, they're debating whether he's worth $4 billion or $10 billion. Like it matters. But yeah, they like that won't take well, care no, of no, him. But it, does, no, no, it, it matters in the sense that he was lying and misrepresenting himself. And it matters in the sense of who he represented to America as the figurehead of the president and the candidate. Because people thought, oh, we got a rich man who will stand up for the people. No, we got a fake rich man who's going to be another front man for the establishment who's not going to stand up for anybody but himself because that's who he is. That was why it was a big deal. But no, Roger Stone told me off the record. He's like, nah, I think Donald Trump's really only worth about $100 million. And it's not that that's not Trump change. $100 million is a lot. But hey, then you go, how much did he inherit? Yeah. And the proportion gets a lot bigger. It's a lot bigger. About, remember, $100 million sounds like a lot of fucking money. And it is. I'm, I'm trying to like demean the value that is $100 million. But times 10, it's a billion. Times 10 again, it's 10 billion. What he said was a percent, one one hundredth of the actual net worth that he was publicly claiming as a candidate saying he was worth 10 billion. And somehow he convinced even his opponents to say, oh, he's only worth 4 billion. And he's already in that. He's already, they're already. Oh, you're not worth a hundred times what you're really worth. You're only worth forty times what you're really worth, Donald Trump. Ha ha ha! We got you now. Fuck that. No. So Ed, here's here's the bigger picture, though. And and if I can share something with my audience, that's not some flashy meme. You know, if you're gonna come and hang out with us on a Wednesday night, I'm at least gonna share one deep thought. And it's this: that all they have to do, their 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 primary interest. And keeping the racket going is hiding the big movements and the big pockets of money. That's it. That's it. If they can just hide that from us, it doesn't matter because it's not about like you talk about the wealth in the super class. How much do Bezos and Gates and Branson and and Musk represent? A tiny, a small fraction. The majority of it is with the rest. They're not the ones they let sit at the top of the list. And a lot of the ones down the list have a lot of shadow wealth and a lot of its family wealth. And that's all they have to hide from you. 
And if they can keep you from getting pissed off about that, if they can keep you on the hamster wheel in the rat race, that's all they got to do. COVID, they almost don't care. The, the, it, it seems to check on this one, Ombudsman. Run this through your worldview for me as we go through the show. Ed is going to come on at the end of the show as our Ombudsman for the first time tonight and correct everything I get wrong. It's the best part of the show. At the end, Ed gets to tell Adam what he fucked up. Uh, but it seems to me that there is a there is a sort of super, super class. Right? I mean, the super class, we could break it down into tiers if we wanted. It's almost like the top tier of the super class doesn't really care about COVID. It's just, it's another thing their operatives in the second tier are doing. The big pharma CEOs who are making tens, hundreds, millions, even a few billion, you think that, that's a fucking drop in the bucket compared to the big money of the super class. Compared, I mean, even if you look at, oh my gosh, that big pharma guy made a billion dollars. How much has Bill Gates' wealth gone up over the last year and a half? It's like a few 10 billion, right? Something like that. Joey, it's in, the, it's in that range, right? I would assume. Yeah. All, all those guys, you know, near the top sure. of the But even the, the, the deeper institutional wealth of how we are getting ripped off is even worse than that. And there are not enough libertarian, in a way, as here, here we're going to turn it a little, little navel gazing for the libertarian movement, right? When leftists like the Occupy Wall Streeters complain about wealth disparity, and we go, ha oh, ha, you're wrong about economics. Yeah, well, we're fucking wrong for not being just as loud, calling attention to the problem that really is the heart of this racket. We can talk about population control. We talk about tyranny. But it, the one thing we talk about weird little evil agendas of individuals or groups within the superclass. But the overall agenda, as old as older than money in human history, like going back to primitive societies, primitive power structures. It's always been an element of human authority institutionally to hide the profiteering, to make it look like what they are doing in leading society or government is selfless and that illusion is wearing thin where we go from that there with this realization this acceptance i feel like it's going to be a bit of a turn in my messaging although it's one that i've, I've already kind of taken because like I'm, I'm not embracing anything new just sort of a new realization and waiting is in weighing out of the relative importance of things but i hope that resonates i hope that provides a little bit of clarity we got a fun little show for you tonight Wednesday evening hangout. Like I said, we got our, our full team of four for the new Adam versus the Man model. Myself, co-host Joey Lee. I'm going to get it right this time. Ombudsman Ed Vallejo. And if you would jump up on screen, please. Jim Freedom, producing from Phoenix, Arizona. What's going on? How's it going? Happy Wednesday. Interesting opener there. A lot to think about. A lot of, uh, a lot of considerations to be made. Who knows how bad it's really going to get, you know? <laughs> Hey, are we on Facebook? Is that Anthony Ralston commenting? Uh, I can watch Facebook live videos. Yeah, that's yep. where the comments come from because we still can't we can't yeah, pull comments up from Twitch. Twitch recap. We I I still as a matter of principle, I know everybody's got Facebook. Well, thing is, Joey's watching on Streamyard. I I would just say, Joey, please give priority to people on first Odyssey. Even if we can't read them, if you're like, if you're uh, yeah. so I'm, I, I, Odyssey, I, I, we I'm, love look, you. I'm watching on Odyssey right now. We've got a few viewers. Shay Ginger says hi. Um, wait, 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 wait. There was a good, uh, she said high energy tonight, Adam. I like it. 
Um, so yeah, we're watching the comments on Odyssey, but unfortunately we can't pop them up. I think we can. Okay. We just need to work on a, a method of doing that in, yeah. in, in, in the new shows. Um, and Eden's asking where we're doing our shows from now. We're we're still in Gardenia, homie. Gardenia, baby. This is the Freedom, Freedom Factory. Factory. Yeah. <laughs> we'd have we'd have to work on timing it, but I can share the screen of the comments. These are the comments yeah. on uh, on Odyssey right here live. Well, when we get as as we build out this Wednesday evening format of the show, uh, we're I, just to catch everybody up. We were doing before this two hours a day, five days a week, weekday mornings. And it wasn't the right format for the message or the kind of content that we want to do. And it wasn't a good way for us to work around the challenges of shadow banning and censorship. So we've shifted focus to doing a Wednesday evening show. Uh, this team right here, we are committed to doing something live 5 p.m. every Wednesday as we build up to what is going to be a really spectacular four-hour Wednesday evening, yes, production, production. for the show. Yeah. And we've we're, one of the things that we were waiting on was me to get the money to get a new laptop. So we sent my old laptop <laughs> in about yes, yeah, that bullshit. Uh, but I got my new laptop, so that's cool. We got that. I'm I'm way more comfortable. At least at least I can do regular shows and and yeah, I didn't. Uh, Just but, waiting on Elon. Just yeah, now Elon. we're waiting on Mr. Musk. To deliver as promised again with the uh, with with, with uh, Starlink, being a little bit over promising, under delivering, timing and money wise, is not one of my significant criticisms of Elon Musk. I would rather the guy doing what he's doing screw that up every now and then and be ambitious and keep things rolling forward as fast as possible than have like perfect customer service and time estimates. For when Teslas are going to be delivered and every little thing he's doing. Obviously, my bigger problems are with like his flow of money and government and et cetera, et cetera. But again, I'm a fan. I'm a, I'm a fan of Elon Musk. I don't think, I mean, and maybe I'm projecting a little bit, but I think he's more of like a pawn of the super class. You know, like we'll let him be the rich, flashy billionaire. We'll put his name on the money. But you know what? If he if he really steps out of line, Smack he might down. just have a little Tesla accident. Oops. Oops. Not part of the super class anymore, Mr. Musk. I, I just, does that make sense that, that, that within this model that, that I developed, that I, that I update and revise with new data and new news over time, that, that in this model that I'm trying to communicate or to, to y'all as my audience of what I consider the super class and how it operates, that they could have someone like Elon Musk as kind of a fake billionaire. You know, like they set him up and in a sense, He's a lot, and he's made this criticism in the debate about like tax the rich, right? Like, I'm not liquid cash. Like, my net worth is not all profit. It's stocks. It's it's resources that I move and invest and create more resources with and hire people with. And you know, there's a difference between a billionaire who created a company that is valued at a billion dollars and is worth a billion dollars, and hypothetically he could cash it out if he found a customer who could buy it, hypothetically, versus someone who's like. I've got a billion dollars cash sitting in a bank and I can do whatever I want with it right now. There's, there's a big difference. And in terms of the rest of the super class, you know, if they see a billionaire with a business and he's going against, it, it's like the poker table analogy. You've heard this one, Ed, right? Like if uh, the, the, the elites are a bunch of, they're playing poker, they're competing with each other. 
But if anybody comes to overthrow the table or tip the table, they'll all game together and shoot them and go back to playing cards. NATO. Is that NATO? NATO. Okay, yeah, sure. No, no, but it's a general analogy for how the superclass works, you know, or how the elites okay. in, in, in any system kind of work, right? When they when they have that, like, it's, it's, it's a fake competition almost because that they are then secure in that, in their seats at the table. As so long as speak. they control the production of the chips. So in, in that sense, I think Bill Gates is a player. I think Richard Branson is is a player. Um, Jeff Bezos, definitely a player. He's old money. Elon Musk might just be a pawn. Could be. Could be. Um, at, at that level, they're pro- I, in a way, I don't want to, like, I'd like to be wealthy. I'd like to have the money to do everything I want with my activism and to, you know, support, uh, you know, a family and everything that, that I want to do here. Uh, did I break this when I took it off? What a cheap piece of shit. I don't want to be distracted by that. I'll fix that. Um, anyway, yeah. tech oh, technology. Yeah, I told you. I was like, oh, you try it off carefully. I felt like I was, off. I was just taking my case off so my phone isn't over here doing the show. Technical difficulties that don't even affect the show, I am allowing myself to be distracted by. So anyway, in that sense, you get that Elon Musk could be a sort of fake billionaire. It's not the right term, fake billionaire. He's really a billionaire. He really owns and controls that money. But in a sense, if other people have guns to his head and they put him in that position and they manage him in that position, and if he steps out of line, the rest of the super class gangs up on him, takes him out, is he kind of a fake billionaire? Well, no, I mean, he's still a billionaire, but... I think I get what you mean by fake because, yeah, they could take him out. He's not a player. He's not super. He's fake super class. And and if he doesn't comply, which he hasn't, he got knocked from CEO position with Tesla for a while. I mean, he did. So when when he tries to do things the way he wants to with the intent he has, he gets shut down. Maybe that was like their way of letting them know. Evil billionaires. Like, he's still a billionaire. He's just like not a piece of shit billionaire. Well, he might be. He might things we don't know. He could just be the one of the super class. Like, say there's a few hundred, mostly dudes, like that at that level. And if a few of them go, hey, you know what? I want to be the goofy, famous billionaire right now. I want to be that guy. <laughs> and the person go, all right, I need your turn. It could be that, too. You can I don't know. Well, obviously, it's all speculative. But to understand the foundational dynamics by which we project these possibilities, it's important to keep in mind that this is really what's being hidden from you. And the, the, the reason that I think this message, my message, our message, or people who, who believe in you know voluntarism and libertarianism and want to meaningfully pull society in a more principled direction is because, one, we take individuals out of the matrix. And two, we threaten to dismantle, fundamentally dismantle the matrix. And and that and that's it's it's not a threat because oh we're a threat to the COVID racket no no COVID racket is like small subsidiary part of it militarism is a bigger subsidiary again Ed perspective end the Fed or end the the Department of Defense in the United States just the U.S. Department and the, the Fed right end the Fed oh end the Department of Defense or end COVIDism you still say end Department of Defense right. Yes. They're going to heartbeat if you think of it. Oh, yeah. The, Department of the evils of militarism our, our and war and imperialism. Yes. Compared to all of the ills of COVIDism, you go, COVIDism is really not that big a deal. Hey, we got a Twitch comment. And I, all right. 
Fred Curran says, do you think Musk is a member of the super class? He goes on to say, I think if you defy the collective super class, even as a member of the super class, you get taken. Yes, right. No, and, totally. and every single person in the super class, as in the, the most elite, powerful, rich, several hundred or thousand people in the world, they all, every one of them has a very unique role. There's no like rank and I'm very like, well, you rank and file. Well, you are your son of Sam Walton. So you have a billion dollars. You're not a player. You're just, a, you know, a tool sitting on money. You're not really a, a player in that game. And even that money's not at the significant level of like Rothschilds and Warbucks, and, like that scale of, of secretive money and, and, you know, behind the scenes power. So um, it's, this is a little bit of a semantics debate for uh, uh, Fred Coran. Uh, is he a member of the super class or not? If you define super class as just the several thousand, say the 3,000 most powerful people in the world. That's that's how I usually think about it, something like that. They're, they're, Elon Musk is being, I think at very least he's being propped up as more of a player than he is. He gets, he gets to be the number one guy with the most the biggest number next to his name right now right and that fluctuates and there are people competing for that and the big money family sitting back are going let these temporary fools compete over who gets to be number one right now we don't care we have dynasty money so i'm not trying to say that he's not super class but that his role as a player because he's one of the visible ones might be very unique compared to just you know so many of the other three thousand who are really much more behind the scenes so uh, I guess tier one of the super class I might define as a several, the 300 most powerful people in the world, the 30,000 most powerful people in the world. Now I don't care. That's not interesting. They don't even get a tier. They're not part of the super class. So it's super class. Adam's definitions, working definitions for right now, super class, 3,000 most powerful and rich people in the world. And it's subjective. I don't have that list. I don't pretend to. That's part of the point is that I don't know. And people going on and off of that list all the time. Uh, but Ant, there is Ant has a great way for us to get on that list. Oh, if one million people all donate a dollar to me and a dollar to Adam, we'll give you the secret to be a millionaire. I'll do it for half that. <laughs> oh, I love you, Ant. Thank you, thank you. We have the best fans. Yes, uh, I, I love you know, and I love uh, the, the the conversational attitude that we're already getting around these Wednesday night shows. It's a lot more fun than oh, it's eight a.m. Do the news, you know, that kind of thing. So, uh, coffee. Pretend to be awake. With you? that. Uh, Jim, do we have any other production type notes, or do we cover everything? Uh, yeah. Oh, wait, we have this. Get oh. get Joey and Ed on camera. Pipes oh, yeah. up, everybody. Um, let me get them up here. Oh, oh, <laughs> All right. So I asked him honestly thinking what you're smoking. What am I smoking? <laughs> yeah, which train? It's a guess. That's a, that's a, you gotta give him like a clue though. What I, I didn't even ask this, what, what you brought. Platinum bubble crush. Oh well, but we you got took with the full one you're supposed to leave here, didn't right. you? Well, we got, no, this is 
Is it this one? Yes, you're supposed to leave that here. Darren. And you're smoking the same thing I am. So if you're watching on Odyssey, you yes, know the one. answer to that. But Odyssey.com <laughs> at Adam Man. Yeah, and uh, happy to give just a casual, friendly shout out to SWC Dispensary in Prescott. They've become our regular shop. Um, no Great disrespect folks. to the competition in Prescott, Nirvana Dispensary. Never had a bad experience there either. It just so happens that SWC is a little closer drive for us, where we're coming from into Prescott, Prescott Valley area. And the security and they, guard's a babe. <laughs> and the sales rep who was there last weekend. With Total babe. Orange hair streak, that one. Um, <laughs> what, wait, what's Ed got? Oh. This is why my, no voice, my voice is strained today. Oh, I should man. stop. But I, I'm going to be talking a lot less in today's show. We the, the the two features, and this is basically all. Well, we're going to hear a little bit from Ed on Battle Buddies, uh, and and then the, the the two features for today's show. We've got a 15 minute recording of my conversation <coughs> of the prison call with Christopher Cantwell, the prime Nazi from earlier today, and we've got a fun video from our last <coughs> shoot in Vegas. Yeah, I need to stop saying fun. shoot. I always have like this weird mental hang. Last experience shoot in as in like bang, shoot. But no, no, filming. <laughs> Shooting is in filming. Some of this yeah. is like filming session, but it's slight. It's just, it's just. Okay, considering we were in awkward. Vegas on the anniversary of, of the shooting, shooting, don't say, say shooting. Shoot when Vegas. we were shooting in Vegas. Yeah, exactly. Um, that's <laughs> one, one more reason to not use that term. It's, uh, no. By the training way, yourself to say filming when we were filming in Vegas. Filming. I mean, From you're not using film, old school film, see, but you can still use the term. Everybody knows it. No, no, but see, shoot is the one syllable word that's verb and noun, as in on our last shoot in Vegas. If I say our last session, not only is that an extra fucking syllable, but it's also ambiguous as to what it's referring to. Session of what? You know, so our last film session, our last man on the street session, it's like, no, our last shoot in Vegas. I need a word. There's one syllable like that. At least it's practical. Thanks for all you do all. Michael Compton. Thanks, all right. for, thanks for thanking Adam for all he do. So we got a fun three minute and something video. It'll be a short one. Um, or it is a short one today. It's already posted. It's up on Odyssey and Telegram. I, I, I will say quick, quick sort of production update for me. I have been having a lot of fun becoming a bit more of an organic Telegram user, not just for messaging. I almost want to stop using it for messaging. I really wish Telegram had like the ability to have, you could have maybe there already is. Someone find this for me. It probably already exists, right? There's like a third-party Telegram app that allows you to sign in Telegram and because it, it's got to be an open source API that allows you to do like, you know, separate channels or folders. Like I actually would want two apps on my screen, one for my telegram groups and channels and one for individual messages. Yeah. That's, that's the big feature that's missing to for me two on telegram. Because it's starting, like, it's not yeah. business and personal. It's individual messages versus groups and channels. Yeah. But as long as there's, it could be one app that has folders, maybe, maybe that would do it for me. Right. But uh, ideally, I would have I would have two apps. I could click it's my telegram, this telegram that and that would be really cool. But I'm I'm following a lot. I've been following and unfollowing a lot of groups like 
checking out their streams, kind of considering, do I want this in my feed and enjoying building my own feed, knowing that I'm doing it. It's not Facebook doing it for me. Remember, <laughs> this, psychologically, this is a fundamental different thing that we kind of take for granted from the existing social media algorithms and feeds, right? Is that like, and, and Facebook was originally chronological, right? Like way, way back in the day. I don't think they fucked with yeah, way, your, way, when it was like way. students only. I mean, by like, the time they got yeah, out of campuses, they were manipulating it to like hot content is first. And eventually even that MySpace. morphed into commercial and emotionally manipulative. Yeah, content, and even right? when MySpace was big, they, they stopped the chronological thing pretty quickly, if you remember. I don't know if you remember. Oh, oh I remember. I anyway, remember? so. When, when you were on Facebook, though, here's the thing. On Facebook, you just like and follow a bunch of shit and try Facebook to filter out what's important out of that into your feet. And so your following is, is more of a statement of personal identity than conscientious creation of a news feed. Whereas on Telegram, I'm like, I can only follow so many groups. Because I want to follow, I, I ever I want to be able to read pretty much all their posts. I don't want to miss stuff. Yeah, but you if can't I'm gonna, keep up, man. You you wake up and you'll there's like 80, 80 I, so I want it to be one channel. But so like, so I want to design mine to be barely like like twenty percent over what I can read most days, and so it's something like ah flick through, you know. But then I can at least skim and see all of it and have a sense of it, Joey. To me, that's the fundamental difference. And that's the empowerment of this format versus Facebook. Because you can't get carried away. If you get carried away, Telegram loses its functionality as a messaging device because an individual messages you. And now you can, like Joey, I have Joey and Ed, I have pinned in Telegram. But I still have to limit my group feeds and channel feeds. So that it never gets so much that if I get a dozen personal messages that I can't scroll down and find them all without going, oh, fuck, it's so much, like, you know, overwhelming feed. It's not that I couldn't. It's just that it becomes time-consuming and cumbersome. And I love this. I absolutely love how it's a, it's a conscientious process compared to Facebook, even compared to Twitter. I mean, Twitter, you follow somebody. You're not like – I guess there are a few people like, I'm going to follow three people. I'm going to log on to Twitter. I'm going to read those three people's feeds. Okay. Most people don't do that. Most people are like, mm. just follow everybody I like. Yay. Occasionally skim my feed. And it's, you're almost, I think that contributes to a culture of vanity because everybody just wants connections as yeah. opposed to. It's, it's, it's like and, the South Park episode. Who's got the most friends? Yeah. Right? As opposed like, to who's actually creating useful content. Obviously, there's way more to this. I'm going to stop because this is the subject that I think about a lot. I'm passionate about. It's irrelevant to me. Having been censored and shadow banned in so many different ways, I have looked into it in a lot of these different things from a very personal but also a very professional analytical perspective. And uh, I just want to say, like, I'm having fun with Telegram. And I appreciate every – if you're – please, if you're watching this, you're not on Telegram, please get on Telegram. Yeah, it's And great. then find us there, t.me slash man. Joey and Ed and the Producers Club uh, and the commenters on the, the discussion group attached to that channel are all contributing content to the main channel. And 
there, there are a bunch of different things we could do with this. So please check it out. Thank you very much. What impresses me most about Telegram is 99.9% .9 of the people that I get messages from or contact from or posts from, I know personally or I know of. Yeah, yeah. it's you know? your, your contact. And you, it's too. more personal rather than, you know, 33,000 people on Twitter that you maybe can remember 60 of the 600 that are posting. And that depersonalization is responsible for a lot of the toxicity. Yeah. And the flashiness. All agree with that. Yeah. And succumbing to emotional manipulation. All the negative effects that go along with Facebook. Conscientious social media is, is going to liberate us from corporate control social media and from uh, the limitations of censorship that goes along with it. it this is, I'm excited, like really for the first time. Censorship resistance. In, in, in sort of the like, I, and, and this communication is, I'm not, through I'm, obfuscation. I'm not like personally growing right now. I'm not like, oh my god, look at Adam. He's he's taking off. He's getting tons of views. Everyone's. We are getting a lot more. We're but we're essentially with Telegram and Odyssey, which are our for for us. It's it's four things. Number one, Telegram. Number two, Odyssey. Number three, Patreon. Number four, Twitter. That that that's a four big social media, external sites, broadcast, everything. And except for Twitter, we're basically starting from scratch on all of those. Yeah. I know there are a handful of people who've been with us on Telegram for a long time, but we've never really gotten it organized or gotten traction with it. So even though like I'm not like, oh my God, look, he's growing and he's doing so great. We're actually I think we're doing pretty great in the last like week with numbers on on Twitter and and Odyssey and, and Telegram. Uh, not so much Patreon. Come on people, we're gonna be doing this. We need money to make it happen. The more money, the better it's going to be. The more money you're going to have, more perks, more merchandise. It's going to be fun stuff. Let's I want to be. Did everybody see this shirt? Psycho. For those who are listening, it's it's an astronaut like falling backwards through space, reaching for a mushroom, and it says psychonaut. I want to do an Adam versus the man version of this T-shirt. Which was for it, or did he just toss it out into the universe? Could be both. Uh, but yeah, I want to do my own version. This is a one-off from an artist friend of mine. I want to do like I want to do a run, Brad versus the man. We got a lot of other great T-shirt ideas. This isn't def this is definitely not like the we'll main one. But later. speaking of mushrooms, let's get into home from battle buddies briefly. Uh, Ed, well, real quick uh, before you, you do that, if I can, uh, I don't know if it's iPhone specific, but one more credit for Telegram that you referenced yourself, Adam. On iPhones, you can create a new folder. And then have like right here on my thing, you see, if you go to the chats bar, it's got all the chats, but at the top, there's two tabs. Now I can go to the tabs and only see those group chats, or I can go to a tab with only per private messages. You know what I mean? And so there's two tabs at the top for private mm. messages and a tab for the groups I'm in. So you can keep them separated. Is that already. not an option on the Android version? I yeah, like I said, I don't know if it's iPhone specific or something, but that's a feature already on Telegram, as far as I know. So oh, that's very cool. So all right I know is it's like it that. Says, it says settings and it says chat folders. That might oh wow. Well, wait, settings. Find it. So there's settings here. I just want to put yeah. jam chat folders. Oh, there is a folders thing. Create okay, so I want to play with this later. Oh, go. that's very cool. So I could probably create a folder with my feed and then I get a little more carried away with it yeah. and, and subscribe to a few more channels without worrying about them. Yeah, Telegram's a lot more like 
It's a bit of a hidden feature. Yeah, but you can you can tailor it to not irritate you with notifications. Oh yeah, of course. But with Facebook, you got to yeah. either turn all your notifications yeah. off or it's, deal with them, right? It, and, yeah, and Telegram has always had like that integrity of they're not trying to hide features from you yeah. in order to manipulate you to get you to watch ads. Right, and Jim right? is free of that. Um, Jim, pop up that Telegram link. Jan Katz on Facebook saying she's going to have to find us on another social media platform. And uh, Jan, Telegram is the place. Telegram. Yeah. Anyway, so la last oh, thing I'll say, brothers, I want to get to Battle Buddies is that for the first time since like 2012, 2013, like the tale of the Ron Paul era when the Ron Paul movement momentum was going towards independent media in a lot of ways, right? It went to, it went to Republican activism libertarian party activism, a few other things, and in a, a lot of it went in. in Gary Franchi would re restore the Republican. Well, yeah, well, he okay. went Trump hard, but whatever. But Gary Franchi, yeah. No, and he stopped returning my calls when he did. He fucking cut me off. He's a fucking asshole. No, I I, I always, like, was friends with Gary Franchi right. when he was a Ron Paul guy, and he was cool, and, like, we got along, and I respected him. But then he really took a turn, and it's, it was, it's been disappointing. One of the, I mean, yeah, I have this personal element to it, but to see that, oh, and, and, and of course, I'm jealous because he started doing very well on YouTube because he tapped the Trump. Talk. I think he was getting Trump money and Trump traffic that supported his channel. I really do. Um, because you look at the quality of his content, and it wasn't great. There were, there, were, there were people doing better stuff. But he turned into a real lackey for the Trump line from what I remember perusing his content like a year ago. I was very disappointed. Um, but, yeah, he is an example of someone new during that time one for me and a Ron Paul supporter, yeah. independent media, absolutely, and very successful, and I can't deny it. Um, so I am, like, excited for the potential of the internet. And back then, it was really just independent media because Bitcoin blockchain was just becoming a thing in 2013, you know, and we were doing sort of the tail end of that for me before. When I went to jail and then got out, I never got a sense that independent media had a fair shot again. Well, that was from my experience, but I, has it ever had a fair shot? Yes, there I was. Mean, there was a golden era when I grew my channel from zero to a quarter million in a few years. And that was from 2007 for me, for me specifically, it was uh, 2007 to 2012. There was like this independent media revolution. There was a golden era of independent media kinda... where things were flourishing and, and we all had a fair shake. But, you know, now we have media. Odyssey and Drudge Telegram, like, people and Drudge, are... Yeah, Drudge was legit. And Drudge would link to InfoWars, at least, and Drudge would occasionally link to... So Drudge has, one way or another, become controlled opposition since then. Uh, InfoWars sure. has had its footprint largely reduced. Um, obviously, Alex Jones can't argue. Again, I'll argue with a lot of... I'll argue with his worldview. I'll argue with his business practices. But I can't argue with his success, his impact. And, and the, the positivity of that, right? Um, Mike Adams, uh, a sort of higher integrity version. You know, I, I, I'm more of a, I, I, am much more of a fan of Mike Adams. I think Mike Adams has, has a lot more integrity than Alex Jones. It's hard to argue with a guy they are that has stone vast spectrometer. Yeah, no shit. You know? Not just that, but no, no. Um, <laughs> Alex Jones and Mike Adams have, as far as I am concerned, sort of on the political spectrum, nearly identical worldviews in the way that they, they differ from mine in the same direction by about the same amount, right? But I have way more respect. I don't respect. think Mike goes for the demon evil thing. He where, does, but he doesn't, sensationalize, he doesn't sensationalize it. Okay. See, Mike Adams was the one 
who convinced me that depopulation is part of the COVID agenda. Okay. I have yet to weigh in or come to conclusions on how much, but that it is a distinct, because there's someone in the super class who's pulling some strings. They might be second tier. They may be, there's someone in the super class who's pulling COVID policy, what big strings, who wants to depopulation. What you call super class, I believe there is a shadow controlling class above that. It's that within we, that. It's that intertwined. We can't really pin as in, you know, this famous person, that famous person. Okay, that sure, sure, sure. Yeah, person, yeah, no, that's that part of what I was saying. Person. And that okay. was part of what I was saying in my opener is that okay. the, the real string pullers in the super class might not have $100 billion next to their name, but they've got the gun to Elon Musk's head. You know, they're the ones who really control it's It's the family dynasty dark money yeah, billions, that they hide from Billions us. That isn't was, the requirement that, to get into that the was, right, right. Well, okay. yes and no. But when you get up into that, that controlling class, money doesn't really have... Money's just another object used to control them. If you're in that realm, though, you're, you're in the billion-plus range. Or at least you have access to it. Oh yeah, no, oh, sure. maybe not in the bank, but yeah, you're sure. We have unlimited funds. Yeah. Let's say unlimited. In a way, well, right. In a, you're playing yeah. a different game. Yes. And that was my point: is that yes. the, at that point, it's money and power. What we call stupid. Sure, whatever. Yeah. Anyway, yeah. It, it, I don't want to get into too much. Term. But I am. I, I see. Well, I have seen over the last, well, for me, eight years of really being censored heavy. 2013. I mean, it was, it's for me, it started when Google bought YouTube and I started getting shadow banned and blacklisted and demonetized on YouTube. Very took down 800 of my videos. So and, there was yeah. that. Yeah. There's, there's, there were some purges around it, right? Yeah. Um, so for me, that experience of the last eight years, in the last sort of four or five years, especially, I, well, even going back to 2013, even going back to that time, there was diaspora. There was an attempt. And it was a complete failure. I forget why exactly, but I got in on it a little bit to be a part of it. It was a decentralized social media network of sort of like a pod system, and, and it had some fundamental functional flaw. Um, Wait, but like that a was COVID concert pod. Yeah, right. No, no, no. Like, we like have, social media cluster kind of things. You have to realize part of that nodes. <coughs> part forget. of that diaspora you're talking about culminated in 2012 when the patriots of the country, the ones that I was staunchly a active member of we got to that 2012 republican national convention in tampa and they just stomped on ron so hard yeah we oh, knew yeah, yeah, that yeah. it's it's over it's done with and we took off we we did the off-grid well, hold on though. And, and off. i'm not i'm not denying the significance of that but when we i said split. diaspora i was talking about like diaspora.com oh. like is a specific it was a specific thing oh, during that okay. time a lot of those people <laughs> yes went and were a part of that effort but it was a might be here's what I'm getting at though. There have been a lot of attempts since then. And it's it it's been heating up over the last maybe three or four years. And and we saw Steam It and, and I got big in on Steam It and uh came to accept that it was functionally primarily a pump and dump. And people can debate me on that. I don't really care. It's sort of subjective. There are only people taking it advantage was a flash of it. In the pan. And it's Nobody not functional now. That. So you can't argue with that. But there have been other attempts and library is the blockchain behind odyssey has been around for years and it never really got my attention but that's part of why it's so attractive to me now 
is like a weird romantic relationship, right? Yeah. Weird crush. Uh, but no, that it, it's the not flashy ones that are most likely to have enduring functionality. Yes. And I think library as the content blockchain might be that. I'm not an expert, I'm not predicting, but I'm, I, I feel like, as, as a feeling, I'll admit, I'm speaking more to an abstract attempt to assimilate a lot of different data I'm getting. But it feels like library is sustainable and stable enough as a content-based blockchain to be, if not enduring, a meaningful part of the transition to the new internet that's going to come after this era of social control, of, of corporate centralized social media control, right? It might be part of like, like uh, the, the, how I described Bitcoin when it first came out. This might not be the future of money for the end of humanity, but this at very least will be a key part of the bridge away from fiat currency right. to free market money, to nonviolent money, non-coercive money, one way or another. Bitcoin, yes, and I've been proven right in that. I stand by that. I think I'm absolutely being proven right in that. You know, as we see Bitcoin continue to its rise and the significant, even if Bitcoin failed tomorrow, I would still be right because it has already taken a big chunk Really out, of, out, it's, it's, out of the fiat it's racket. Part of history. Even period. if only psychologically for all the people who have gone like, yeah, well, we want and kind of need something like that yeah. so we don't keep getting ripped off. So with library, with Odyssey, and with Telegram, I'm finally like, huh, yeah. We got a chance to do some fun shit with the internet again. Like the culture <laughs> of the internet is going to open up. I, I, I'm really excited about that, Ed. So, Ed, Ed, if you want to comment on that, either Ed or Joey or Jim, uh, but then I do want to get Ed's, uh, or do, do you know, Ed, Ed, do a little update on Battle Buddies because we have had major, we have major shifts. Lots of yeah. movement. I like it. Well, I, you told me I was ombudsman, and so I had to go look it up. <laughs> your job. Yes, he's learning. I love it. An official appointed to investigate individuals' complaints against maladministration, especially that of public authorities. So one of the so, things that Ed is going to be doing to do that role is putting your nasty comments on screen. Ed's job is to make sure <laughs> no challenging comments get missed. Next version of the show, when he's on, right now, he's limited the broadcasting with Joey's camera. But yeah. We get our full setup. He'll be in StreamYard like Joey and, and Jim are. And I will be too. So it'll be that much. I could have done it, but you know, it's just one more phone to be on. Yeah, with, yeah. You know, we're keeping it simple Let's for get now. Some more Wi Fi going on. So we update uh, so we update the, the internet. Yeah. <laughs> okay. Sorry, but you were saying something more important there. No, I wasn't really saying something more important. I was talking about the ombudsman. Okay, well, um, yeah, if you guys complain about Adam, then I will weigh it out and then I'll take him to task if I feel that it deems, it's deemed necessary. Okay. Um, as for you inserting my own personal opinions as for whatever it is Adam has said during the show or says while I'm on the show, uh, I think those are more... I'm more available to do those during the show. <laughs> <laughs> well, as okay. ombudsman, I'll, I'll jump in. I want to say, story. hey, 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 wait a second. <laughs> wait a second, Adam <laughs> here. There has been a buzzer when it's time during Adam versus the man 
where I had control of what was going on. Even though Jim has got, you know, he's directing, okay? I still have access to the director's controls. And there's been so many times when I, I just wanted to press this button and say, hey, wait, stop. Hold a second, Adam. Hold it. Hold it. But, you know, I personally, I love this man to death. I would, I would no more offend him personally than I would go fly to the moon. I'm telling you. All right. Well, so, Ed, Part of what I have, have taken, there, there's a, a tradition of ombudsman, as I understand it, in media, in presentation of news and entertainment. And uh, I, I actually, there are a couple of shows on Fox News. I hate to cite Fox, but there have been a couple of shows on Fox News that have done this Rest. well over the year, where they, they have someone who's, who's, who is sitting during the show, taking notes and reading people's comments online. And if the, if the host being that, making sure that, that, that there, if there are any corrections that need to be issued, yeah, well, it's in that episode for one, but it's also a chance to snarkily make fun of the host and, you know, and, and, and any saved round. So there's going to be, is that the permission you're giving me? No, I'm saying stop. I'll hold. I can't take it for the entire show. Right. I'm saying. Right. Part of your job, right. you have to like take notes right. and like be professional. You can't just fucking, oh, you're not here just. Run your mouth whenever you feel like it is my job. Your job is hey, to take notes and be you know, like, intelligent. Try. I really do. Yeah. <laughs> okay. But uh, Battle Buddies update. Battle Buddies update. Ed. What, 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 do, what do we need to tell people? Battle Buddies update. What do we need to do? We're working hard in every... every. Mike is muted. Yes. Yes. It's all okay. okay. Three okay. Years, one mic like, three years, one yeah. mic in the It threw me here. for, you know, to start speaking in the here. Mike is muted. <laughs> We can hear you. More internet, more technology. We'll get that. <laughs> you all will have to take a little bit of time with the old person here, please. <laughs> Homefront Battle Buddies. We've gotten a lot of things done on the structural paperwork, getting things, every all our ducks in a row, things lined up, working on the website, homefrontbattlebuddies.com doing so much research i mean it's it, to try and run a 501c3 organization the way they want you to report everything and the hoops you have to jump through it's a it's a learning experience for me personally i mean i've, I've gone through so many different things in my life that's what i've done is i've gone and embraced something and just incorporate just learn everything there is to know about it and then once you start doing the same thing over and over, it gets boring, and I got to go and learn the next thing. Okay. Well, unfortunately, that's my job now. I can't pass that up on Jim anymore as executive director. We've we've got a little reorganization here, so let me just go over that quickly. Jim is now treasurer. Ed is still as planned now officially on full time as program directors slash facility manager, and I am now both chair and staff as executive director. So, shit. I'm going to try to keep making other people do as much work as possible, but it's it's falling on me now. And uh, I'm excited, though. This is, this is giving me the opportunity to carve out the time in my week, especially with the flexibility without doing Adam versus the man daily, to put the time and do the fundraising that this effort deserves. And for those that don't know, the purpose of Homefront Battle Buddies is to provide uh, the facilitation for community to 
vets assisting vets in pursuing alternative therapies not available through the VA and helping in transition to civilian life in every way that we can. Uh, part of that is with the VA and without the VA, it's, it, it, we have more precise language on the website, but just to be clear, it's the, 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 the primary focus is week-long retreats. And in order to maintain our status as a 501c3, we are merely a facilitator for whatever alternative therapies veterans want to help each other pursue at those retreats. So we are going to we are going to make it possible, just like you can have, uh, Joey. What's what's the what, dance safe? Mm -hmm. We're sort of like the dance safe of veterans getting stoned in the woods. <laughs> That's a cool way of putting it, isn't it, Joey? Yeah, Does that makes sense. Yeah. So as as a, as an organization, we are the ones getting vets to come out and have these have retreats where they can get whatever resources they need, whether it's, um, there's not a lot of dancing. We're not playing a lot of dancing with this. Uh, but but alternative therapies, especially cannabis, definitely psilocybin, to the extent we can do it safely and with appropriate medical supervision, uh, MDMA, ketamine, and whatever else we have the resources to bring together uh, or, or to facilitate for veterans with this nonprofit. So, yeah, and, and I want to get groups out here too. Like there's so many harm reduction groups that can come out and, you know, educate you on what to look out for since, you know, daddy government won't let us have a, a legitimate free market for these things. And unfortunately, yeah, that has people to be end part up of in the shady education. situations. So, yeah. So the exciting point that we're at now we have achieved is that we have the funds, the staff, and the organization say, interns welcome. Email ed at thefreedomline.com and put intern in the subject line somewhere and introduce yourself and describe your life circumstance and what you want to get out of an internship program with Homefront Battle Buddies. And uh, let's see, what was the other a summer? I guess what you envision. What, what you would like to do here, you know, how long you would like to stay right now. It's camping off grid living construction. Cause we want to build this facility, but we also want to provide a, a meaningful educational experience as much as we can here. It's empowering and start to build this veterans community. So at, at, at proof of service, that's the other thing. And we, we're going to have details about this. We're not going to try to describe it now, but we're, right. we're going to be pretty generous with proof of service. I mean, a photo of you deployed. My um, brother asked today, does, does, with his VA card. We're, some, there's going to be, if, if it's not we'll enough, Ed might, Ed might ask for, it's kind of subjective. And right now we have a general call for internships. The, the information about that is going to be on our website in the Very next soon. few days, whatever. But for y'all listening right now, just know that we, we have a, a general invite for this phase of building the facility until we get to the point where we can host these one week retreats. Our goal now is to be doing those by March, have a 12 dorm room lodge built by then where each dorm room is a 10 by 10 room with a comfortable bed. 10 by 10 room sounds worse than we were like eight by six. No, like that makes it sound like a jail. So, but 10 by 10 is like a small comfy motel yeah. bedroom. You got room for a twin bed. It's, it's a dorm room. But the point is that it's, it's going to be very comfortable, thermally right. balanced, soundproof. 
pretty it's a it's going to be almost a perfectly soundproof bedroom for everybody here you understand with meditation and, and other alternative therapies <laughs> and snoring why that's uh, an, an important part of this experience and the lodge comes after we build the gymnasium we're going to yeah, so, that first well also so that, that that reminds me here's the call for donations if you want to donate please it's tax deductible yeah. theft deduction uh we are a registered functioning legally approved 501c3 um and now that we have a vision for the facilities and the programs as well, pretty much down to a materials list, at least in my head, it's a materials list, right? Uh, we really do want to take donations for anything that can contribute to that out here. Uh, even temporary buildings, pop-ups, people got sheds um, that could be trailered up here, tents, uh, weight equipment. We kind of don't want to leave it sitting outside until the gym is built, right? Building materials. Wood, I am tools, currently all of that stuff, right? I am currently residing in the freedom trailer that Adam traveled around in. <laughs> it's an experience, I'll tell you, because everybody signed the inside of that thing. I'll tell you what, you spend some time in there and you get to know Adam. Ed, by the way, you look really good with that light right there. I, I think mine is starting to look too. One of the things we got to figure out. I feel like you made it too much just now, but okay. Compared to without, yeah, look, because there, there he's like, yeah, it's dark. Crazy That's really good it's gotten dark since we started this show. Yeah, no, I know. So we, one of the things we're playing with tech-wise, just letting the audience know, is uh, a different channel. Like one of the nice things about doing the show eight to ten a.m. was that it almost always it always had decent and usually perfect natural light the way this building is set up now starting at 5 p.m especially in the winter we're always going to be going across sunset and it's going to be light when the show starts until like the middle of the winter or really dark days cloudy days here we're gonna get some of those um yeah it's arizona in the mountains uh and we're going to be playing with a, a light system i've got see i think my light got too harsh as this as the light died now it's too like intense on my face, no? Too. It's giving there. you that Metallica look where it lights up just your face and it yeah. reminds you stuff. Yeah. All right, that's, that's, that's a little better. So just keep we'll keep my I have this cool little ring light that's sitting over my phone, over my laptop, and I dig it. Anyway, uh, so battle buddies, again, if you want to apply, Contact introduce you. yourself. Um with your proof of service and what you want to get out of the program as as, as much as you can. The next step would be a video interview with Ed, uh, and then uh, he will either tell you you're not welcome and fuck off, or uh, make you an offer for a specific invitation. I don't think Ed terms. will tell anybody to it, fuck off. Most, yeah, I was gonna say most likely the latter. So, well, words. it wouldn't have been funny if I had said Ed will respectfully tell you that you are not a fit for our program at this time. Um, but uh, yeah. Uh, He'll, that's what he'll tell you. He will tell other people that he told you to fuck off. Uh, <laughs> uh, but most likely at this point, if if you know we're any veteran who is uh, it, 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 when when the program is running, we want to make it accessible regardless of ability, especially disabled veterans eventually to have retreats specifically to facilitate for every category of disabled veteran that we can accommodate for the internship program right now. You have to at least be, you know, um, well, you have to be physically capable and healthy enough to live off grid 
to pull your own weight out here. If you wanted to say, I want to come hang out and I can't really do any physical work, but I can camp. I can't do construction. I can't do any manual labor, but I can camp and take care of myself. And I'm going to do admin work for you. And I want to be there in person. That's cool. We'll do that. Uh, but you also have to be sort of professional enough to not be a liability at this point. If you're coming for a week-long retreat, we will manage that liability to make it available for everyone and not have to reject anybody for that at that point. But for right now, you just have to apply and basically show us that you're a veteran, that you're that you're capable of contributing without being a liability, and, and that you're going to get something out of being here. And and that's it. And and we want we want your help, and we want to share what for us is a fucking awesome lifestyle. I mean, we're here be, not because oh we got to get away from shit. It's fucking amazing. Like, go look at the old Gardenia Instagram. Join the Gardenia Telegram channel. You know, see what this what this sort of Arizona mountain off-grid lifestyle is like and what it makes possible, right? So anything else for Battle Buddies? We are way – we are fucking an hour into the show. Yeah. We haven't finished our introduction. We're supposed yeah. to get – so, so like, We're not going to be long tonight. There is. Shit, there's so much to talk right, about I, I every think time. All the front battlebodies.com. Yes. And at thefreedomline.com. I think we can still we can still wrap this up in 30 minutes. We're gonna I should have said this beginning, we're gonna try to do an hour and a half-ish show tonight. So we got two main features now. Oh, another hey Matt Baxley's with us. Drop by say hello, friends. Easy night for me. I'm gonna stay for a few. Well, hey, Matt, you might want to stay for the next 15 minutes. Moose this is the, girls watching, Fred Curran's right. watching. All right, this Switch. is the cool kids are all, all right, here, all. all right. All right, stoked. Smoke a bowl for them. So it is time <laughs> to get to the Christopher Cantwell interview. Um, he called me. So backstory on this interview quickly. Well, first, who is Christopher Cantwell? Christopher Cantwell is infamous as the crying Nazi. Backstory to how do you get up to the point of, of getting that nickname? Christopher Cantwell started as an anarcho-capitalist, libertarian, independent media activist involved with the free state project the free king crew and when i went to jail for the shotgun incident in 2013 he was closely enough aligned with my views and my message and it's funny because i think of him as like a slightly aggro version of me and i think of Derek bros as like a slightly hippie version of me and i'm actually in the middle and that's because you're egocentric yeah, right. I see. I value everybody and how they are relative to me, obviously. Isn't that how you're supposed to? Uh, no, but as far as I was concerned as the host, I was thrilled. When I went to jail, it was Derek Bros and Chris Cantwell filling in for me. And my show kept going with my co-hosts and my interns. It was amazing. And I thought the balance of them, too, was very cool. Because back then, and I think actually Derek Bros has stayed true to volunteerism. I give Derek Bros way more credit for intellectual integrity and consistency right. and ethics and all that. Uh, Chris Cantwell is a different story, but back then they were both very close and they were both definitely within the, the, the lane of voluntarism that they were preaching. Right. So I was happy to have them fill in. Cantwell just had a bit of an aggro attitude about it. And he ended up going alt-right, then Trumpian and, and a bunch, and then, and then, I, I think he would reject that. He's he's used some weird what terms. What year was this? I, when did this happen to him? I want to. Was it around? So I nine, went to jail. Oh eight or nine? No, no. So he was filling in for me in 2013. At that point, he was still one of the good guys. 
I'm really, remembering this wave of people who like sunk into Trumpism and like racist, like all. Yeah, like, but it was, down this it was after that. It was later. Like, it, was, it wasn't until Trump declared his candidacy in 15. Oh wow! Okay, so right. Was, yeah, okay. But right. but Cantwell started going that way before that. When Trump came along, Cantwell was already more extreme than any of the real like deep right, whatever you know, build the wall, you know, drain the swamp, Trumpians, lock her up. Uh, the, the sloganeer Trumpians, right? The people actually believed in the slogans and were motivated by that. He was already more, uh, he he was a, a white nationalist at that point. I, I was going to ask, is so, white so, supremacist? Yeah, well, not supremacist. He would, and, and he, so. What's the difference between 14, white nationalists? And between white 14 and 16. So right before the Charlottesville incident, though. He was an he organizer. Yeah. So. Leading up to Charlottesville, that's the next part of the story. And you're going to hear us talk about Charlottesville in I this interview. Oh, no, we'll hear Joey's take on this after the interview. More conference. But, uh, Not that day. I lived oh, there. Oh, okay. I lived different. there then. I frequented I the ball. It was creepy. It was. Because you had you got to see it in that context, right? When you watched yeah, it. Yeah, like I, was, I, I wasn't there that okay. day, obviously. But so the next day. by the time Unite the Right happened, Christopher Cantwell was one of the top half dozen figures, political figures, pundits, leaders of the alt-right as a whole, and specifically representing the ethno-statist slash white nationalist strain of that. Because there were a lot of guys in that who considered themselves not racist and in a genuine way were not. But they were to themselves uh, what they would call race realists. And and I respect that there's a difference there. Like I respect, you know, I've said this, like I, 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 res I love racial comedy as long as it's not racist comedy or hateful or demeaning based on race. Cause that's dumb and mean and stupid. It's not, not fucking funny. Right. I mean, we all know that there's, there's a sort of line there. Uh, but I love it. And, and aside from Carlos Mencia being a shitty comedian who stole jokes, um, his sort of brand of making fun of the differences between races in a funny, positive way. Love it. So a lot of those guys would see themselves in that category of looking at race and saying, well, maybe the world is better off if people generally segregate by race. Maybe you'll have more harmonious localized communities or societies if people are able to segregate by race. There's a natural element to that. And I'm not going to stop to deconstruct that because that would take me a half an hour. But there are a lot of reasons why this is wrong. And there's an imposition of improper collectivist judgment and, and individual judgment that goes along with this, that is intellectually faulty. And and uh, I'll go, even hoppianism is being forced, you know, physical What about movement, like so. voluntary segregation? That happens like in Baltimore, you've got little Italy and little China. And it's like, that's not- right. Like, like, is there like, you know, force, you know, pushing Joey, like, sure, that's, that's the debate that you're going to trigger, you're gonna trigger me you're, like, when we get to the four hour episodes, I'll do a block addressing this. It's a big topic. I'm not getting into it right now because we want to get to this interview with Cantwell. And what's really interesting about his story is not that background. What's really interesting about his story is that he finds himself. So, okay, moving on the story. You might have, how we got the nickname Crying Nazi. At Charlottesville, there was an altercation 
where he was attacked by commies, you know, the Antifa lefties, whatever. And he ended up pepper spraying a few of them. And he was facing felony assault charges and pled down to a misdemeanor and being banned from the county. You'll hear him reference that in the interview. The charge that they that he says that he is under was one of my questions. That's hold on, hold on, I'm get, hold on, I'm getting to that. I'm getting to that. I'm getting to that. So I'm I'm separating this though. So he went to Charlottesville, had this altercation, right. was in communication with law enforcement, left the state, had, found out there was a warrant for his arrest, did a video where he was crying on a live stream. And this is when all the eyeballs of the country were on everything around Charlottesville. Ah, the crying Nazi. Make fun of him for that. And he didn't just drop a tear either. To be he was clear, falling. he was he sitting was, on was, a yeah. curb acting like a, a no, pissed off no, three-year-old. No, Joey. The sitting on the curb was after he got pepper sprayed. That was okay. The crying Nazi was a video he made in a hotel room as he was going home. And he's, and, and you're right There's to point out it wasn't a tear. He lost his shit. Like he was bawling. Like he was ugly. No, but what you're talking about is he got pepper sprayed. Okay. The sitting on the curb. I didn't even you see saw a photo of that. One. You saw a photo of that and you mm. transpose that in your memory with the video. Video I'm referring mm. to someone else. So okay. damn internet. Slow down. Let me tell the story and get to the interview. Gosh. Okay. So then Chris gets the plea deal offer on the pepper spray issue and the people he assaulted actually as part of the deal released him from any civil liability. So that was completely resolved for him. He did a misdemeanor. He did, he did a misdemeanor plea. I think he ended up doing a little bit of time in custody around that. Mostly probation. He was gone. Then like a year later, this is the big one. He gets into it online. There's a lot of bullshit backstory to this that is not important but he ends up threatening a guy and this is this is really kind of a weird do i feel like he should have been punished for this or not he was he because it's, it's a weird speech is it a threat or not it's ugly it's stupid it's there ugly. should be some kind of sanction i'm not saying there shouldn't but jail i definitely yeah. don't think he does what what, what, what he ended up getting you know? no he wrote to this guy. He was trying to get information. And in a sense, he, he Cantwell will defend himself by saying it was kind of defensive. That he was under threat from somebody else threatening to dox him or right. turn him in for something. And, and he threatened another guy and said, give me this guy's info or else I will come and rape your wife in front of you and your kids. And it was phrased a little bit, but it was, it yeah. was like. But he didn't say rape your wife. And he said like bang your wife. It was yes, was like, that was it. That was it. Was it. it wasn't actually a rape threat. Thank you for reminding yeah, me of that, he, Joey. Rape it was, was not. It was. Said. I'm going to. It, 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 the way he phrased it. He said something about could, bang your wife over been, the table. I am going like to that. seduce your wife in front. Of you. Absolutely. But he, he said fuck. Yeah. He said I'm going to fuck your wife in front of you and your kids if you don't. And and that might be a like. That's, that's a shitty. legitimate that's threat that's, if you think that like you can voluntarily pull no, I, no. you can no. He, the way he phrased it. I am okay. not I'm gonna rape her. He said I'm gonna fuck her. Okay. And there could which be is, history. Which could they, be, I, I'm gonna convince her. Or she already uh, fucks, you know, it's whatever. You see, knows, yeah, converting like, this into a an there was actual no intent of force. Mater, there was no undeniable clear threat of force no. in the threat. So to take this, it was definitely so it was a threat. A threat. It, it was assault. It was definitely a threat. It was definitely extortionary, an extortionary threat. The question is, is the threat specific enough to write to to to, to meet a legal standard of that's a threat that deserves 
a legal response, both assault. in a natural law sense and in the current government. And, and it's also no, like, it's not assault. For instance, assault if you... is, is when I say I'm going to beat your ass, and a battery oh, is when a, I beat a, your a ass. A threat of specific assault. Okay, yes, sorry, and sorry, again, sorry. if you text yeah, me, I'm going to destroy your life. They, you don't go to jail for that. I mean, I, I've seen, unfortunately. And I've experienced because that. Because I'm going to ruin your life. On the other side, I'm going to ruin your be, life. I'm going to turn you into the cops, in which case government goes, ha, yeah. great. <laughs> so I'm going to fuck your wife. I think kind of borders on that, right? So, like, but here's here's the fallout. Campbell got 41 months. And they stole all of his hard drives, didn't and they? And yeah, there was a raid. He got railroaded, and, and there weren't a lot of people there to defend him. And I didn't defend him actively but i pointed out like now nah, this is bullshit this is this, this is a he has become the victim at this point <laughs> i'm not going to rush to defend him because there are people who deserve to be out more than him but i but it's a, it's an interesting case it's a compelling case and because we used to be friends i have a little bit of an exclusive line he trusts me to present his case fairly with the intellectual sure. integrity he trusts me to have and so with that two days ago uh no it was yesterday joey right was it yesterday it was yesterday morning tuesday morning yesterday morning we were driving to the bank to do the battle buddies business the repeat call comes through and i get an 866 call and it popped up i normally wouldn't see it but it was because my phone was connected to my truck and i saw it pop up on the dash and then it came up a second time i'm like all right and even then i normally don't answer but i was like you know what and joey saw me hesitate i was like eh. <laughs> Well, and we were pulling into spam. our destination. And I was like four I, minutes from the bank. Right. But I was like, all right, let's. And I'm like, oh, what? like right away, I'm like, oh, it's a call from jail. Yeah, you have a call from an inmate. Like, at... Oh my God, it's Christopher <laughs> fucking Cantwell. Oh, again? And I, had, I, I hadn't caught up on his situation. So the catch up on his situation, again, she's, you're going to hear about it in the interview, is that now, while he was in custody in Illinois for the threat extortion charges, whatever the fuck they were technically, but the threat extortion rape thing, um, he was named as a defendant in the civil suit for the Charlottesville rally, where his assault with the pepper spray out the window. It's irrelevant except his background. The prosecution, or the, the, the plaintiffs rather, in this case, are using the pepper spray thing as a way of characterizing his liability, but they're not holding him liable. They're holding him liable, liable for the deaths and the assaults and everybody who was even traumatized. And he'll say that, you'll hear him reference this in the interview, I couldn't sleep because of what I saw in Charlottesville. Now, the other thing that comes up in this interview is that it, it, it's not a clear-cut free speech case where like, oh, you organized a rally, you said things that pissed people off, you're liable for things that they did because you you pissed them off and encouraged them, right? That would be like, really? Fuck, well, fucking no. You have the free speech. You can't. No. You can't hold people liable. And, and that's a violation of their free speech to say you're liable for something that someone else did because of what you said. If you're just, unless there's some element of fraud or deception obviously involved. Um, but what they are alleging as plaintiffs is that Cantwell and the organizers specifically conspired to hurt people. And now here's the exciting part. Cantwell just won the legal battle 
where the U.S. Marshals try to say, we can't transport him to Virginia for this case because it's going to cost us 16 grand. Fuck you. We can't transport him to exercise his right to defend himself while being named as a defendant in this civil suit in Virginia. He won that. So when he called me, you'll hear he's in Oklahoma or something en route. Like they moved from Illinois to, and it doesn't, I, I didn't get the full story on the logistics around this because it, it's not that important, right? But he is now going into this case defending himself pro se while in custody. And he believes that he has smoking gun exculpatory evidence of the body cam recording that he made from his own body cam of the organizing meeting of the body cam footage combined with the body cam footage that he wore as the entire time he was there. So he's not only visually ugly, I'll call him out. Fuck you. Can't well, you're, 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 you're not, you got a face for radio motherfucker. I say this as a friend, you know, making fun of him. Um, but he's also, he's an ugly character. He has made himself since he went to the dark side away from libertarianism to the alt-right and then to neo-Nazism, national ethno statism, whatever. He has become a very ugly character. Uh, it's that, strange for you to and, say that because when I heard the interview, it, it sounded like Alan Alda. It sounded like Hawkeye from Mac. Uh, talking off of him. Well, he's smart. You'll hear it. He's oh, smart. He's, he's well spoken. He's pretty funny. He's, he's entertaining to listen to. I give him all that credit. Uh, Cantwell has got the intellectual horsepower. Absolutely do whatever he wants, which is why it's all the more sort of sad. And for me, it's it's a weird experience to see someone who went from being like so close to me to really going fully to the dark side. So without further ado, here, here, here we go. You're going to hear a little bit. I'm just going to hold this up um, and you're going to hear uh, a little introduction from the jail phone system. And then uh, it's 15 minutes of me and Cantwell. It was a bit quiet because I didn't have my speakerphone on at first. Here it comes. Select from the following options. To accept this call, dial 1. Now, to reject, your call has been accepted. To being recorded or monitored except for privileged calls between attorney and client. R-E-S-P-R-I-E-E-D. Hello? Hello, Adam? Yes, sir. How are you doing, Mr. Cantwell? Doing all right, man. How are you? Excellent, excellent. Did, did I hear something in the recording that I'm not supposed to record this phone call? It, it kind of came in no. garbled. No, there's, there's nothing of that uh, nothing of that sort going on here. It says... Oh, it says that... They, right. Call waiting is not allowed. They will... Right, right. Monitoring and recording. They will record it unless it's privileged with an attorney and it is not so we are assuming that, that we are being recorded by them as well i am recording i am rolling it looks like my recording is going well uh, how much time do you have to chat i have about 15 minutes minus how long we've discussed this <laughs> one minute and 26 seconds so uh just to make sure that I'm up on the background of your legal situation and for the sake of our audience today, starting with a, a basic question, you are currently incarcerated in Illinois serving 41 months on a, a threat extortion charge and you are currently in a legal battle about transportation to attend a civil suit where you've been called to testify 
regarding the Charlottesville Unite the Right rally. Is that all correct? You are you are close, but you're a little bit off. So okay. I've been sentenced to 41 months on, the charge, on a federal charge of extortion of interstate communications. Okay? Right. And I was housed at the Communications Management Unit at the uh, United States Penitentiary of Marion, Illinois. Uh, I am currently calling you from Grady County, Oklahoma, because I won the battle over being transported. I am on my way to Virginia to uh, be a pro se defendant. I'm going to be standing up in a courtroom and questioning witnesses and stuff. Wow. To the United Right Rally for 2017. Wow. Now, just, just to make this clear, and, uh, you know, I, I 100% disagree with the reasoning and the motive for this rally, but there is something very exciting about you having won both of these battles. One, in the transportation fight, the U.S. Marshals wanted to deny you the ability to travel to defend yourself because they said it would cost them $16,000 to get you from Virginia or from Illinois to Virginia and back, which is absolutely ridiculous. Government inflated prices, obviously, uh, but also that you are going to be able to stand up for uh, uh, what, what I think is a very important freedom of speech case in the sense that you have to have the right to say what you want without being financially punished or held liable in some way for actions that other took, people have taken related to what you have said. Is that uh, getting to the crux of this yeah. case? Yeah, I mean, the, the, the cost of transportation is actually not a settled issue. So I, huh. um, I don't, it's my it's my position with the court that the court can't assess this cost against me, but the court has actually decided that it lacks that authority. So there's still a possibility that I'm going to get hit with a bill for $15,000 and, and they're going to be trying to squeeze blood from the stone because I'm not exactly getting rich in this place. Yeah. Uh, but, uh, you know, the, yeah, the, the idea behind the, uh, the lawsuit is, you know, we got attacked by a bunch of violent communists, you know, basically the same people who spent the whole of 2020 burning and looting because the guy died resisting arrest, right? And so, right. you know, those people, you know, attacked a permitted demonstration, and you better believe we, we defended ourselves and we, we handled ourselves well when that happened. But, you know, we're, we're accused of, you know, participating in a really a terrible violent criminal conspiracy. And there's really not any evidence that at least I did anything of the sort. I don't think there's any evidence my co-defendants did either, but, you know, in, in my case, there's literally a video of me saying, I won't participate in this thing unless the cops are there. So the idea that, you know, I, I invited the police to my violent crime spree is kind of stupid. <laughs> and that's, uh, that's, that's what I'm on my way to Virginia to, to tell 12 registered voters. So there are a couple separate issues that this raises for me immediately with the charges you're facing in terms of liability with unite the right because you did get into some physical confrontations yourself in which you were charged with uh with using with charges related to using pepper spray as i understand it but there's a separate kind of way they're trying to hold you liable as an organizer for the actions of others is, is that correct yeah yeah, so I pleaded guilty to two misdemeanor assaults in Virginia. And in hindsight, you know, I kind of regret doing that. I was facing 60 years in prison. And they were like, plead guilty to two misdemeanors and get out of my state with your with your Second Amendment intact. I was like, yeah. I'll do that entirely too happily, right? Yeah. Um, okay, I just want to pause for one thing to clarify there. And for Joey to make some sound effects of people doing set work in the background. Um, yeah. to make it, it's more professional that way. Thank you, dear. Uh, no, first of all, the, the, 
first, I can't, well, 12 registered. I'm going to go try to convince 12 registered voters. That's a fun way of saying I'm going to a jury trial. Yeah. Jury of my peers, right? That was clever. Um, also, when they said, get out of my county with your gun rights intact, that means he was avoiding a felony charge. Right. He pled to the misdemeanor so that he didn't have to gamble on the felony. And he's saying that he regretted it, which is, a, which is a tough thing to say, even in those circumstances. And I say this as someone who's been in that situation, you know, with, with threats and pleas. And I have won and lost and done things I'm very proud of and done things I have regretted strategically in those circumstances. So does everything make sense so far, Ed, Joey, circumstance? Because now we're going to get into the, the, the Unite the Right it, it case a little bit more. Sounds like he got suckered into the probationary plea right. justice system like a lot of people do. But in his case, in his case, it, it, it's – well, first of all, Joey – I, and I learned this from my own experiences that when someone is under duress, you can never judge their judge their uh, actions. No, you, know, you can say, "I want you to fight." There. You know, <laughs> "I want you to fight." I want you to not take a plea. You're not the one who gets to make that call. Yes. You can encourage, Alan, and support, Alan brings up and give you. Yeah. That's a long time. That's that's a that's a death sentence. I mean, it is that what Cantwell was facing at that that's point? That's what he said he was facing. 60 okay, yeah, years, right. And so he took the plea. I think it was sixteen. Oh, sixteen. Only sixty. Okay. For for a, for a pepper spray. Felony, even assault incident. I can't see that being 60 no, years it either. 16, no. I mean, I, they might get that to a But he was like <laughs> actually facing, potentially doing like a, a good chunk of 16. Yeah. You know, if he got, if he got being for yeah, a felony, assault. Yeah. I hear it's nicer there. So, all right. Everything makes sense so far. Don't they get a gym? We're going to hear the second half of the interview. <laughs> all the sex you could want. <laughs> using this against me in court on this civil yeah. liability. But what they're saying is is that, yeah, like I become liable for basically everything that went wrong. There's people who are suing me who don't claim that I did anything to them. They, they're saying that I'm an organizer of a criminal conspiracy that injured them in, in myriad ways. Everything right. from, you know, everything from I killed this girl to, you know, somebody can't sleep at night is basically the, the litany yeah. of violence. Okay, so let's let, let me get the the your personal altercation part out of the way first. Is that being raised at all in the civil suit? You know, the people who, who the people who I pleaded pleaded guilty to assaulting, they are not party to the suit. They signed a mutual release of all claims okay. against me. See, after, they can't after my preliminary hearing, I sued them for malicious prosecution. And then when I Which makes this unique test Mutual release of all claims. They can't sue me for assault. I can't sue them for malicious prosecution. They're not party to this suit. Yeah. He so is specifically so not Oh, wow. Okay. So, to the general charges, can you uh, first take us through how they are trying to make this a legal liability thing for you. What of your words, actions, organizing role activities are they trying to hold you responsible for? In, in a sense, these people are kind of they're like the dog that caught the car here, okay? Because <laughs> what they alleged in the complaint is that this, this violent criminal conspiracy was hatched on the, the uh, Discord chat app that I imagine many of your listeners will be familiar with, okay? Mm -hmm. um, the Discord chat app, the the the, um, the, the logs were leaked, okay? And so I, my law, my Discord contributions to this thing was like 12 messages, and none of them had any sort of leadership capacity whatsoever. Um, 
then there was a, then they said in the in the complaint they said that this violent criminal conspiracy was hatched at this meeting that we had at McIntyre Park on August 11th. Okay, the, the thing is that earlier that day I I, I knew that somebody was going to try to set me up for something, so I wore a body camera to this event. Okay, and earlier that day somebody tried to frame me for brandishing. They said I pulled a gun on them and threatened mm. to kill them for being homosexuals. Mm. And so like. I got surrounded by all these cops, and I said, here, take my body camera. I didn't do anything of the sort. And the cops let me go. And so when I went to this, this so-called leadership meeting later, okay, at the meeting, I, I said, hey, guys, I got my body camera. All these guys are trying to frame me for a crime. Do you mind if I leave this running? And they were like, yeah, no problem. Okay. So, like, we discussed the entire plan at this leadership meeting. Well, the thing is that the communists who were suing me didn't know that when they filed the complaint. Mm. They didn't know that I had a body camera video of the meeting. So they're like, oh, yeah, you know, uh, Mr. Cantwell and all these other, you know, nefarious actors, they met at this park and they violently, they conspired to, you know, violently violate the civil rights of our woke progressive left-wing activists. Right? So, so just, and, just uh, hold on, hold on, just to be clear, they're, they're not, so they're not reaching so far as Cantwell organized a rally, said mean things, people inspired by mean things hurt me, therefore Cantwell is liable. They're, they're trying to meet a higher standard of you actively conspiring to cause those damages. Well, interesting. It's, it's interesting that you raise that. Okay. So there's a motion in limine pending before the court right now. Okay. Which says that the, the plaintiff should be barred from arguing a theory of liability of eating and abetting or incitement. Okay. Because it looks like that's what they're kind of trying to do, but that's a change. Okay. So if they didn't know that I had this body camera when they sued me, I give it up the discovery. And the body camera kind of just felt this idea that there's this like this conspiracy that they've alleged. Okay. So while I'm in jail in New Hampshire, they hire some expert witness to say that, oh, what we do is all coded language and the, the conspiracy is really hiding in plain sight. Okay, so, so, so hold on, Chris. I'm sorry. I want to I want to go back just again to to clarify. In this planning meeting that you have the recording from, were you guys at the organizing meeting saying things like, "We are committed to nonviolence. We are committed to compliance with police. We are committed to adhering to the rule of law for the the sequence of this event." Were there things like that that you clearly said? And drew as lines for your event that you adhere to that you believe are exculpatory. You are you're you're halfway there. You're halfway there. We were absolutely committed to complying with law enforcement. Okay, and as a matter of fact, there's a, a pretty good deal of discussion about how we were coordinating with law enforcement. Yeah. Um, the, but we were not committed to nonviolence because it's impossible being com committed to nonviolence when you're facing off Antifa. Okay, right? committed to non. But you were committed. Hold on. Were you, well, committed to non-aggression then <laughs> to just. Okay. Yeah, we, we were not going there to initiate force against anybody. The whole entire purpose, the whole entire purpose of obtaining the permit and having the cops there was to keep us separate from these goons. You know? All right, Joey, you had a way on that? Yeah, man. I, Defense. Defense. Dude, okay, wait, let me, let me jump in here. My son is 12, okay? One time in school, a kid kneed him in the balls and he like nut punched him back. And and like this, this sounds like the exact argument that I heard between the two then eight-year-olds at the time. And and I want to circle that back around to a comment from Shay Ginger on um on Odyssey. She says, Um, I've heard I'm gonna fuck your mom every day of my life on Xbox Live. So are we gonna arrest these teenagers? Well, so Chris and, Cantwell here is saying so I'm 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 circling, but so yeah, this his whole I'm gonna come fuck your wife childish shit right it, even it, it it 
Or like showing up to a protest with a gun, telling people that you're showing up, or with pepper spray, saying, I'm showing up with pepper spray, and I'm going to pepper spray any Antifa people. That's a threat, but it's a legitimate threat of defense. It's a little, yeah, exactly. I'm going to come there armed, but he has this way of, he doesn't communicate well. He doesn't, he does, he, he, he's, he, uh, he's got victim complex, man. I mean, that, that's what I'm hearing. I've never met him. You know, I'm a whole well, lot he, better he than has, but he's, he's doing jail. He's for, been he's doing, victimized. He's doing 41 months right now. He's in the middle of a 41 month term you've been for vic- one sentence. Okay. He said you've been victimized, right? By the military. Most. You don't, you don't speak like that. Like some crazy, oh, they were coming after me. It's not my fault. Like that's, that's, that's what it the level like of, that's what it sounds like to me. Now, that being said, it's, to be fair, you know, these are the maybe, people Antifa targets. Maybe and they set exactly. and to be fair, they maybe set them up target. for it, right? Like they set they themselves up to be targeted. Target. Yeah. So, so. I, do I think any of this yeah, is it is it no, it's All right, childish so Joey, middle school banter. It is not worthy of any Okay, you know, but large jail sentences like this. And, okay, and maybe he sense, shouldn't yeah, yeah. have taken that plea deal because yeah, you've got that defense. Uh, Your Honor, can we just listen to Xbox Live for an hour? Because you're gonna hear, I'm gonna bang your mom and come fuck your sister 18 times when and that's my you want coded language. The code is that doesn't mean anything. Yeah, it doesn't mean anything. Code is it doesn't literally like mean what it says yourself. anymore. It's the like, same. You know what I mean? And, and you can't. Uh, yeah, so there's maybe a, you should have so, fought harder. I mean, but I, so, under so, duress, you're so right. That, I so that. Joey, we are definitely gonna come back to this case, and mm-hmm. and and because there there are a lot of issues that are raised. Part of what makes it fun is that with. Chris Cantwell's specific circumstances in this case, there are a lot of these weird gray areas. There are a lot of these weird fuzzy lines where even as a libertarian, I'm like, uh, yeah, I, wait, I, I can say some definitive things, but they're still like, I don't know. Like, and, I'm, and I have to fall back. There are a lot of things in this case. Intent, was his intent to actually go bang this dude's wife? Maybe. But can they <laughs> prove that? You not have a to shadow of a doubt. No. You are going to no. coercively extract justice. Quick sidebar on this. The term threat has become turned into a bad word and it's really dumb it's very simplistic and i fucking hate it as, a, as an intellectual it bothers me the people say oh well you threatened him well yeah i said if you get within five feet of me waving a, a, a flaming ball around i'm gonna smack it out of your hand it's a threat. If you, if you, not a yeah threat. it's a, no but it's a threat no, Joey, sure. it is a threat by the depth by the clear broad simple absolute definition of the word threat if I, but it's, is it a legitimate threat or is it a threat of aggression? Is it a threat that you have a right to make, that you have a moral right to say, yes, I will defend myself. That's a legitimate threat. If you say like, yes, if you, if you do this, like if, if, if you do this with your business, I will stop doing business. I will shut down your business because I'm going to take away my contract. If you donate to that politician, I'm going to stop doing business with you. (laughs) That's a threat. You have a right to make, you have a right at any time to to withdraw from totally. any consensual relationship, right? So that, that's a legitimate threat that could be horrific. And it could be, you have a right to, to kill someone, to threaten to kill someone in the sense that if you're keeping them alive, if they're paying you to be their, their nurse, and, and you, if, they, if you don't feed them and give them their insulin shots every day, they might die. If that person treats you like an asshole, you have a right to walk away and let them die. And to threaten that is a legitimate threat, right? You have a, it's not this. I'm not saying it's good. I'm not imposing a value judgment. I'm saying morally, it's legit. Right, right, right. Saying, my right. point is this idea of any threat is bad is fucking stupid and it's pissing me off because we just, we, 
Yeah, anyway, well, let's get to back to the interview. It would be a shame if something was that happens to you. Yeah, right. I saw that on my Twitter feed a few See? times today. Uh, but all right, hold on. We got four minutes to do the rest of this interview. You know what I'm saying? But, you know, and, and we had demonstrations all over the country before this where, like, things went all put out of hitch when the cops kept them separated. That was the plan. Every time the cops let people come into contact with one another, people went to the hospital, and that's exactly what happened here. But, you know, this was kind of something that they had planned more uh, more further in advance, frankly. I think that they have, you know, essentially accused us of, of what they did, which was they conspired against us, then they sued us for conspiracies, basically, what's going on here. So you're suggesting that the police did things to encourage conflict or confrontation or to set up uh, a physical altercation? not saying that the police, you know, intentionally did that, but if that was the outcome of their actions, right? Like, I don't have, uh, I can't prove the police conspired here. Right. But the police it literally said, one of the, the police chief literally said, this. he's on record, he's had a text message, or there's some recording of him saying this, quote, let them fight, it will be easier to declare an unlawful assembly. Because that's important. Uh, that's shitty. That's they, shitty. They tried to revoke our permit, right? And we fought them in court. We, we get the ACLU on our side. We sued the city. And then the and, this, and the court said no, you can't you know deny their. You should be able to troll the American political conversation by being a torch carrying asshole Nazi without worrying about cops setting you up to be violently assaulted while you're doing no, it. And having, yeah, having just defend pulled, the indefensible here, right? Having pulled a few permits for cannabis rallies, they they those cops will come up to you that day and say, hey. We're here to protect you. And I've even this had is not some the of case. them say, and, Charlottesville, and that's their job. See, like, you can that say is this what right. your money is paying them to protect you, whether they agree with your cause or not. Joey, so that didn't happen. Shady as Yes, and, and I think even without knowing that, which you just learned here, Joey, you can tell me from your just experience of watching Charlottesville unfold and your familiarity with the scene that there's no way around the conclusion. It was at least, if not a setup, it was at least an epic failure of law enforcement totally. to, to, produce, to, 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 to provide their basic public but safety. But they functions. aren't held accountable when they don't right, do right, their course, jobs right. right. Okay, and, and two of them died in a helicopter crash. That was two of the deaths that they're blaming on these guys. Helicopter? Don't you remember that? No, that's ridiculous. Hold on. Let me, There's let me, no okay, way. We're going to hear the rest of the interview. I'm going to fact check myself. All those heads down. Well, what they did basically was instead of revoking our permit, they just allowed the thing to descend into a riot. They declared an unlawful assembly, and then they and then they chased everybody out. You know, and shockingly enough, you know, a bunch of people got hurt when that happened. It's unfortunate, but that wasn't our plan, for sure. Okay, Chris. Since we've only got uh, a few minutes here, I want to point out to anybody listening uh, my, my general take on this. Very quickly, of course, we are going to be. Uh, listening to this phone call on our live podcast tonight and doing much more breakdown and commentary. But uh, Chris Cantwell here seems to be in a unique position to be the tip of the spear in the fight for freedom of speech in America. And it's an ugly, messy case as the enemies of free speech will always make it. And they will always make sure that those of us who love and believe in and hold free speech dearly have a champion that the public finds ugly, like Christopher the Crying Nazi Cantwell. And yet we have him right He's now as a potential champion of free speech going into this case. I have. I and fighting a very interesting legal fight while in custody mm -hmm. going pro se potentially with 
potentially with smoking gun exculpatory evidence that he gets to present while skewering these people trying to to hold him accountable for that christopher is is that uh sort of your hope for the case is there any way that you would suggest we keep up with this as it is happening or just wait for uh another phone call for you from you in, in, in a week or two yeah, I mean, I imagine that if you if you pay attention to any local Virginia news, you can keep up with the details of the case from the, from the you know, biased communists who run the press. But, sure. uh, you know, anybody, I, I believe that there's going to be ability for people to be you know, in the courtroom or on a closed circuit TV if anybody wants to come watch. And I think that this is going to be one of the performances of my life, ladies and gentlemen. I'm really looking forward to it. <laughs> And uh, and I hope that yeah. uh, I hope that people That's pay close this. attention because look, yeah. as you said, look, Rob Paul said you don't have free speech. You can talk about the weather, right? And if and if and if they can shut me down, this call will be terminated in one minute. <sighs> if they can shut me down, then you're a piece of cake, right? I mean, Facebook. I heard the Intercept recently leaked that Facebook uh, leaked a list of people who are blacklisted from Facebook. I'm not at all shockingly on that list. We're going to get cut off. ChristopherCantwell.net is my current website. The uh, .com expired, and people should uh, definitely go there to keep up with things. All right. Well, thank you very much, Christopher. We look forward to hearing from you again and, and wish you the best of luck in defining the principles that we do agree on. Thanks, Adam. I'll talk to you soon. Thank you. All right. I meant to say defending obviously, at the end. But, uh, wow. And by the way, so fact check myself, this is this is just a dark note over the whole Charlesville Unite the Right rally that is sort of technically completely unrelated. And they talk about the body count. This is from NBC Washington Channel 4. Widows sue over troopers killed in helicopter crash during Charlottesville white nationalist rally. The widows of two Virginia troopers killed in a helicopter crash during a deadly white nationalist rally in Charlottesville are now suing the state and others over their husbands' deaths. Uh, against Virginia, Secretariat of Public Safety, Homeland Security, State Police. At least they're not trying to sue Christopher Cantwell uh, for this one. Uh, that'd be a bit of a stretch. Okay. Um, but yeah, that that's just sort of a side thing. They're saying the aircraft main rotor system or tail rotor likely malfunction caused it to spin out of control. So that's that. Um, I think we've we've kind of we've we've done all the analysis, but I want to give uh, at least Ed and Joey and Jim a chance to weigh on this now that we've heard that whole interview with Cantwell and what we have to look forward to and, you know, seeing his case unfold over the next uh, few weeks. Ed, Joey, Jim. And we'll well. see. I mean, I can't believe the public's so blind to stuff like this. You know, I just this kind of frivolous charges and incarceration and the state wants to be able to precisely legally assert that individuals can be held liable at a greater stretch of credulity for what we would consider freedom of speech that you have an absolute right to. And they're doing it in an esoteric case where their victim is someone who's easy to dislike. And that's why they don't hear about it. This is not yelling fire in a theater. And that's what they're treating it as. Um, it's a direct parallel of trying to sue gun manufacturers for, for gun death. Yeah, right. Direct, mm -hmm. direct parallel. You, it, it, not even. But a similar legal parallel, right? Because it's even a more tenuous connection. It's not you gave someone the tool to be in a crime. It's you gave them the idea. 
It's like when Sunnyvale Trailer Park came after Bubbles for the rest <laughs> from the beer cans <laughs> left behind by his customers. But it's always countered with, well, how many <laughs> cars are used to run people over with on purpose? We can't, you know, we're right. not outlaw cars. Yeah. All right, Jim, your thoughts? Well, I don't know. It'll be interesting to see uh, what happens, I guess, if he calls you back in a few weeks to find out because I, my, my first thoughts are he said he gave the webcam footage in the discovery. So why is there something, why is there still something going on? Right. And the only other thing he said from that was they have somebody that they're using as a witness that says it was all coded language. So it seems to me, and unfortunately for Chris Cantwell, today's world is a different place where you can get real railroaded real easy and swept under the rug of, of COVID nonsense. And we can all talk about it all we want, but you know, I, he, unfortunately it sounds like they may just be saying, we're going to take your proof. We're going to put it in a little box, tell you to shut the fuck up and you're going to spend the rest of your life in prison. We're the government. We can do that now because COVID have a nice day. So I think you're frozen now, though. Uh, I think Adam is frozen, so that's awesome. Uh, I thought he was just really into what I was saying, but he was froze with a deep-looking thought, <laughs> which is hilarious. But <clears throat> those are my thoughts. So what do you think about that? There you are. Yo, Can you hear me? Yeah, I'm on Joey's phone now. Yeah, we might just be doing this for four hours next time, and it'll be fun. It, looks like, it just looks like T-Mobile signal. Uh, dropped on my phone. How's the audio, Jim? Uh, yeah, it sounds fine. Audio should be the same. Fine. Okay. Yeah. It's not as loud. Pretty much, yeah. Oh, it's, it's, it's not as loud. Yeah. I think I turned it all the way up. Oh, it is weird. Okay. Anyway, um, so if, if none of y'all have any 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 burning thoughts, you got to get in on this. Um, join the Telegram channel t.me/slash Adam versus the man sometime over the next couple of weeks, as uh, we have updates on this we will share them with you as we get back to regular production uh at, at very least we will be coming back to this with some analysis when all is said and done and uh because the legal implications might be critical for freedom of speech with that then jim let's roll tape on uh the la bros video three minutes and 17 yeah, we're gonna get the uh, topless cowboys we've, we've got quite a female viewing right now i'm just saying mm -hmm. they might appreciate it but well these guys are pretty cheap the bros. they were good yeah you want to watch topless cowboys go to the odyssey mm -hmm. yeah the odyssey so roll tape okay here's the bros channel here we go end of the day newson bring it together i believe in our government and they helped out we got a lot better Yeah, you want to do all three of you? Sure. Man. sure. Well, like, I'll be here. Okay. You look smart and opinionated. Yeah. Adam versus the man. Okay. All right. So, what's your name? Where are you? Where you want to join us? You want? That's cool. You're the most colorful. I'm supposed to be an entertainer, but I don't want to entertain. Hey, your drink even. Look, hold on. Get this on camera. You gonna believe that there has there has to be a record of the shirt? You guys get a picture of him. The the pink, pink, white, white, pink, like. See it, don't you? Yeah, you did that intentionally. That's yeah, very yeah, all right. I know this is gonna be like too much fun now. I want to talk about serious shit, not like fashion and drinks. But okay, uh, what's your name? Where are you from? And why are you why are you here today? We'll go this way. Uh, my name is Chasen, and I'm from LA. I'm here to win money. 
And look really good. And look really good. You're at least doing one of those. My name is Dede. I'm from uh, L.A. Leon uh, from L.A. here to you know, experience the world. Now, y'all coming from L.A., COVID has been pretty nasty in L.A., right? But you guys don't seem too scared. Right? Wait, you have a, you have a mask. You know, you know you're not wearing that properly, sir? We all got masks, too. Uh, we're not scared of anything. God is always on our side. God's on my side. We're not scared of I keep the mask with a protection, not mine. Yeah. And follow me on the gram uh, at Chasing Chips. I do comedy skits, comedy vids. I know what it is, man. You know, it's all there. See smooth, big daddy, big black. You know, it is. Get me on there. Yeah. So, so what do y'all think of mask mandates here in Vegas still being a thing? I mean, I don't, I don't know too much about like the science. Yeah. No, the politics. Yeah, the po like just the rules and regulations about Vegas. I, I, I'm not. I don't know. I'm not really. How has it been in LA? Better. It's getting better. It's cool. Uh, I mean, was it bad? I mean, you guys had to have like pirate house parties for a while, right? Clubs were shut down, bars were shut down. I mean, like uh, until relatively recently, LA was one of the worst places for shutdown policy. Yeah. Right, right. Yeah. Uh, that's because the girls out there are really wilding, and uh, it spreads quicker. He knows a lot about that. I don't want to get into that on camera, but it does spread quicker out there when the girls are wilding out. So you know how it goes. And it's just, you know, people wasn't listening in the beginning. That's why I got worse in California. You know, Californians, you know, we know we know a lot. We in California. So it's like, you know, got that pride, got that ego. But end of the day, Newsom bring it together. I believe in our government and they helped out. We got a lot better. And people started wait, listening. Wait, 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 wait. Did you hear? Did you guys hear what he said? He says, I believe in our government. 100%. Isn't it? What? What is that? I don't believe in our government at all. I don't want to get into that either on camera too much because, uh, you know, <laughs> Black and, you know, can't get canceled. But, yeah, our government is depleted. It's brutal. Uh, Biden, Trump, all of them. Trash. I'm not Republican uh, or Democrat either. I'm, I'm, I'm non, uh, no side. No pick. I don't have any comment on there. I think all a little bit more opinionated on that not. subject than me. I'll go at it with him about this shit about the government. God has faith in us all. Period. <laughs> all right. Thanks, guys. That was, that was a lot of fun. I appreciate it. That was great. Yeah, that was awesome. Adam versus the man. I hope y'all check it out. Thanks, guys. We will meet that challenge with courage and love. And as always, we the people will prevail. All right, so Joe was there. Uh, I think they thought the way I started making run of his drink and his, his clothes, like, there's going to be some goofy, random Vegas thing. And then it's like, out of the blue, serious turn. And now you and your friend are like, at opposite ends of the trust in government. They were like, spectrum. man, we don't talk about this shit in Vegas right now. <laughs> a bunch of disagreements. Like, yeah, it's a thing. But get everybody on screen. Mm. You know. Everybody. Everybody in the club. All right. So with that, let's just go ahead and transition into our ombudsman segment. We're way over time. Ed, what did I fuck up today that you haven't already told me about? Do it. Adam, other than what I've already told you about, I believe you've been about 89 to 99% spot on with <laughs> most of that shit. I'm telling you, that's one of the reasons why I moved out here, Freedom Ranch, because you talk about like-minded souls, man. This guy speaks some real truth that is hard to grasp from just the general populace. That's for damn sure. And I've been so starved for intelligent conversation. I had to move out here. <laughs> See what? 
we've gotten a lot accomplished in just a few days, and I don't really see it slowing down in the near future. See it snowballing. I really do, Adam. Yeah. You know, you had a vision. You worked on it. I saw and came came and saw, and, uh, and I shared that vision. I see that vision. I feel that vision and wish that vision had been a reality when I got out of the service to the point where I've devoted a portion of my life to make this a reality, moved out here, and we're working on it. Come on out. Come on out. Join you us. Know? Come out and check it out, you know, for a short time. If you like it, you think you can handle it. Yeah, I, I mean, I guess we should point out one little addendum to the battle buddy section. If you're not a veteran, but you're willing to, as a civilian, non-veteran volunteer, contribute to the activities here, either for what we're doing separate for battle buddies, but you want to be, a, as a friend of the organization, work under Ed's supervision to help build the facility and, and, and sort of be, a, be an intern and, and have an agreement like that here. We're not trying to be exclusionary. Yet. Well, for being a proper 501c3 nonprofit organization, we can't discriminate for any reason, and we aren't going to discriminate for non-veteran status. No. Uh, and not correct me if I'm wrong, but we do have production internships too, do we not? Yes, absolutely. Now that we have a very clear production model for Adversus and just to run down real quickly, what we're building up to, and as we're getting some of these administrative chores out of the way for Battle Buddies and for Adam versus the Man and sponsorship and fundraising and blah, blah, blah. But what we're working up to is that we're going to be doing a show like this Wednesday nights, 5 to 9 p.m., four hours. Bad, like it's, I am really excited that right now I am capable with the team behind me of doing like my dream weekly podcast. Like It's pretty close to really like, I mean, I could have a team of writers. We had we had a lot of money, but even with just these four of us here and the producers club and what we have right now, it's pretty close to like my dream weekly podcast that we're in, we're, that we're working our way up to. And it's it's four hours. I'm really excited about it. It might take a month for us to get there. It we're might wait till internet. Fix. I'm okay with that. We're gonna play with the lighting and then keep playing with the building of the tech stuff. To we that. still have Steve Raymond uh, and Anthony Rolfe. Yes. Williams. Yes. Okay. Two very yes. capable yeah, and, individuals. And both were watching on Twitch. I expect to. Uh, so, so for production. So, and then Wednesdays, I plan on being in studio here prepping for the show all day long, doing promos and everything like that. So, on that day, we're not going to release a man on the street video or a podcast clip because we're going to say, if you want Anniversary of the Man today, tune in live at five. But Monday, Tuesday, Thursday, Friday, every other weekday, four days a week. We're going to be releasing one man on the street video. It might be a single interview. It might be a compilation, a montage. It might be some combination of that. Whatever works. Um, and one clip from this weekly podcast, like my opening monologue rant, which today was pretty fun, casual, just kind of off the cuff. I like it. Eventually, that's going to be like teleprompter, scripted, illustrated, top and production bombs. values for that. Sure and they're. Oh yeah, for real. Is that what you were gonna say? What was Adam gonna say next? He was gonna say, "Man, I'm sideways from this good ass." There we go. All right, yeah. that was my fault, ladies and gentlemen. Thank you for standing by. I uh, can see your phone fault. in your phone. That's oh, yeah. cool. <laughs> uh, no, yeah. um, uh, plus, we're still in audio format, so that's gonna be a thing. Hi. Okay, so just to wrap this up, because Joy mentioned the production interns. Uh, if, if we get the sponsorship we want, we're going to be hiring for one or two positions. 
But if anybody wanted to come out here or to be seriously involved as an intern supporting that production, social media promotion, doing the weekly podcast, getting guests, when we go to Las Vegas or Phoenix or LA for our regular filming sessions, we want a third and sometimes a fourth person with us, depending on what we're doing. Uh, it goes a lot faster. We get better and better content, uh, a lot smoother with, with uh, one or two extra people like clipboard, extra camera type work, fun stuff. So help. Adam at the freedomline.com. If you want to be involved with that, Jim, any uh, closing thoughts? Are we ready to start off? No, that's pretty much all it. right. We better wrap it up. Joey, ombudsman. No, we're all good. No, so I'm good. Lots of We're I'm good. happy. <laughs> Peace and love, y'all. Choose happiness and be excellent to each other. <laughs>